one team, one experience. We want to make sure everyone knows this is not a session to bash the SCCA. Okay? I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you want to, we're going to pull you in check. Okay? <laughs> Hopefully not physically. The, uh, but we will. But we will. That's Shelly's department. <laughs> I'm James Rogerson. I'm a past RE for like 15 years of Houston region. Thank you, Jesus. I found some sucker to take my place. <laughs> What's your secret? I, I told him I was going to die the next week, and they had to. <laughs> he lied. I lied. The uh, Shelly McKee, she's an autocrosser, right? Primarily? Primarily, yes. Primarily autocrosser, and uh, she's going to take care of one, of one of the sessions here. For you that don't know, this is the famous, infamous Joy Todd, who is the founder of WRL. Richard Tomlin is uh, our expert on extra North American racing. <laughs> so we're going to kick into this. And so for something completely different, the car up there is what I race in Europe. It's a, it's a fun cup car. It's a spec car. And it's a spec series. If you can see on the window up there, it shows British because we didn't know how to make an American flag out of tape. So we just lied and said I was Brit. Didn't work very good because the clerk of the course was from the Midlands in the UK. I could not understand a word he said. It was a worthless experience to go to the driver's meeting. I did better with the French and the Belgians. So we're going to look at different uh, competing for participants. What sort of choices do we have today? And these are just the highlights of a couple of them. We've got HPDE, High Performance Driver Education, Porsche Club, BMW, Chin, Motorsports, uh, MVP, God, it goes on and on and on forever. they got different stuff. Time trials, endurance racing events. There's several of those. Joy can speak to that. If you want to have any questions on that later on, you can do that. Uh, vintage festivals. I don't know. How many of you guys race vintage? Any vintage racers in here? Wes, you just barely race vintage. I have done SVRA. SVRA. I primarily, I do, H, H, S, I do most of them if I can. I love, I love running the vintage races. They, they have the 480 rule. Y'all know what the 480 rule is? You give me $480 and we'll find a place for you to go on track. Love it. They don't care. And if you go often enough, they don't even care what your car is doing. Just don't embarrass the other guys. So, and then going outside the U.S. So common things that we hear, all the complaints we hear, everything that ever I get thrown up with as an SCCA guy is, oh, they get more, we get more track time. So if you're going from eight to five, how many hours is that, folks? Nine. Nine. Nine, Nine hours. And then you take out lunch. You take out lunch. So you got eight hours of track time. How can you divide that? <clears throat> yeah. Hmm. You can split it up in groups. You can make it big time, whatever. But let me tell you, you got eight hours. It doesn't matter. How you use them is another thing. Yes, sir. The only, the only difference that I found is um, some SVRA events, depending on where they are, they do include Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They, yes, that's correct. So, uh, but at the same token, there's too much time. Yes, the same token, they'll do 15 minutes on and off track. First time I went was in a formula car. Look at James, formula car. <laughs> By the time I got out of the car, it was time to get back in the damn thing. 
And it was another ordeal. So this double ordeal all day. I was exhausted after the first day. And how much time did I get? About the same amount of time that I got with the SCCA. It was just not protracted. It was all in little bitty segments. I spent more time working on the car. Event atmosphere. That's what else we hear. We can go to vintage again on that. WRL, lemons. It's a team atmosphere. Everybody loves it. Uh Uh-oh. I hit a button. Did I go the wrong way? Hit the other button. You have to do it the manual way. That's, that's the old. Maybe point back there. Can you, can you give us the space? Oh, you keep going back. Another gear. Another gear. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Oh, it's like a sequential, right? I need a little thing that tells me what number I'm on. Is this where we start bitching? Yeah, this is where we start bitching. So, we got vintage festivals. We, uh, Event atmosphere, chance to drive race with current and retired professionals. If you run SVR, HSR, and stuff like that, God knows who you're going to be riding next to. Mm-hmm. I mean, really and truly. You do like the classic 24-hour at Daytona. You do Sebring Classic, anything like that. Go to the MIDI. God knows who you're going to be next to. They're, they'll have a whole team full of XF1 drivers. Again? Right, just a comment on that one. We're not bashing the SCCA. <laughs> no bashing the SECF. <laughs> no, 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 no. But, but a comment on the amount of track time. Um, run groups. If you reduce your run groups, mm-hmm. everybody can get more track time. Mm-hmm. In, in a way. This time coming, going on and coming off of the track. So the more you, run groups you, you have, the worse your schedule is going to be. Yeah, well, some groups are better at using their time of the day than other groups are. You, you run Porsche Club or something like that when the last car is halfway around the track, they're running the next group yeah. out. Yeah. And if you blow the checker flag, well, you don't get to see the next one. You know, there are pretty good rules on that. Um, and people talk about a greater return on investment. What is that? That's a perception, solely, totally perception. Cleaner administration. Now, I can tell you that I've run almost every group, and they have different things that are cleaner than the SCCA. Doesn't mean that they are all cleaner, every part of it. You can go and do, some of them have better tech, some of them have better admins. There's all kinds of stuff in there that you can do. How many of y'all run other race groups? Other? Okay, so if you haven't, you really should, just to go see what you can take it's, it's kind of like I've been in the computer industry for years and we stole from everybody back in the 60s because they, everybody was thinking of stuff. And so you go to those events, steal what you can. The, and you can do that around different divisions too. So some of these groups have no-nonsense contact control, SBRA, HSR, stuff like that. Porsche Club, BMW Club, you have contact, they use 1313 rule. Everybody know what 1313 rule is? Most of us do. 13 months probation, 13 months suspension. Yes, Tony? One one exception, when Phil Hill ran into the back hole yelling at the Kansas City race, and they said, well, it was banned for a year, right? And we got told you're allowed one contact for every year you're a world champion. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) You, you, You can have those kinds of 
look the other ways. Okay. I picked the wrong one again. This is weird. Hit, hit the space bar. Give us the space bar. Maybe an arrow? Space. Control off the one more. There you go. So we're going to let Richard talk on this. This is Richard's. Richard runs all these events. Yeah, so what you're seeing here is uh, basically a picture from the Lockerare Canyon. So we did this race 2016. We're going back this year. For those of you who don't know, race started in 48, uh, proceeded through 52. The original race, 2,800 miles um, over seven days on Republic Roads. What you're seeing now is what you would commonly call like a TSD rally. So you've got your transit stages, but then you've got flat out stages. If you notice there, it talks about the actual speed stages, 400 miles of speed stages that we run four days or seven days total. Um, we talk about atmosphere. The atmosphere of this place is astounding. You are treated like a rock star when you arrive there. They think you're some rich American that's coming to Mexico to race. They don't realize you're a baller on a budget. Um, Chihuahua is a closer one to us. I say closer because La Carrera starts basically like Guadalamala and then you race north. Um, Chihuahua, Big Bend National Park in Texas, uh, across the border, Ognagua, three hours you're there. And we race south out of the city on one day, back north, east and west day two, north, south day three. Um, again, you'll cover 387 miles flat out. Through the mountains, through the canyons, um, if you go off, it can be life ending. Um, there are, there are things you hit out there that you don't want to hit. Um, there's been jokes about putting a parachute on top of my car because there are some cliffs you go off of that the parachute could help. But that's part of what makes it so much fun, right, is that risk that you against nature, um, how hard are you going to push? The entry fee to these races is significantly, significantly higher, but the time you get in the car is amazing. Um, Chihuahua, day two, we'll spend 12 hours in the car. A long time for me and a Miata as he was talking about the formula car. Um, so it's you and a navigator for the entire route. Um, you've got designated service stops. One day we've got three, that most of the other days it's two. Um, it's different. Um, California guys, Rally Historico, San Pedro Matir. Again, simply amazing. Number one spot on the earth to watch stars, San Pedro Matir Mountain. Uh, it's an actual observatory at the top, seven countries, um, nine observation towers up there. Climb 9,000 feet compared to Pikes Peak, but it's 19.8 miles. Again, you have a crash there, even getting a helicopter that out is difficult, just being able to find you. So there is greater risk in this, but greater reward of finishing and coming home and having videos and stories to talk about forever. Uh, the last one, Rally Historico, best thing about that one is in, in Cabo, Cabo San Lucas is finished. You start in Ensenada just south of San Diego, Head south over three days. Not as much race stage, but some of the most beautiful terrain I've seen in the world. It's all Pacific Highway 1 on the south. Not crazy, just different Mexico. So, next slide. God, I love this stuff. <laughs> Technology. <laughs> yeah, what's up? One more rating, can I ask the. Go. Do your events require a competition license or what kind of uh, credential? Yes, but it's interesting. So 
you're required a license, but as soon as you show up, they charge you for their license. They don't ever, they've never asked me for a copy of my license, even though they tell you to bring one. As long as you've got the $375, you get your license, and it's good for one year. So each year, we pay $375 to have a license in Mexico through their sanction. It's basically a Mexican uh, FIA license? Yeah, Fenimac. We'll get Tali first. How do you find out about these events? I mean, there are these, there's the Sand Hills Challenge in South Dakota, you look yep. at like Victory Lane, whatever, all the international events. All, there are a whole bunch of neat events that nobody, I don't know, there's, there's no ER, there's no little ad in a yeah, magazine it, or anything. Yeah, very tight you, you, Either internet or you get somebody that's already done it, gets you involved in it. You come to the SCCA National Convention. Yeah, and, and we'll help you out. a session on road racing. Well, I, I found out about it because I had a customer come to us for a cage, and they didn't have the money to pay for the cage, and they said, well, do you want to go race with us? Well, where are we going to race? Yes, I'm in. Let's go. Grab a passport. Two hours, we were in the car and heading south. I, I had a German, a German guy call me up on the phone, tell me that he was going to have a car delivered from Mercedes and he needed a competition license so that he could race. He had never been on a racetrack in his life. Went down and ran the Pan America. Yeah. Yes, sir. And these are races. They're oh, not, they're, yeah, yeah. they're not road rallies. No, this is not a road rally, it's a race. It's okay. like so race World race. Rally, it's like World Rally. So you're, you're but you're leaving in scattered. What you do, so when you leave the hotel in the morning, your first stage is always a transit. We use like day one of Chihuahua. 29 mile transit from the hotel to the beginning of the race stage. Once you get to the race stage, you're gonna tell you, okay, well, you got the 29 miles to cover, you got 45 minutes to do it. Gives you time to stop and get gas before you have to be at the checkpoint. You're at the checkpoint, you're given a prescribed time of when you will actually leave. You pull up, that next 18 miles, 27 miles, whatever it ends up being, that stage is actually 19. Um, you pull up, they give you the countdown in 10 seconds, you take off, and then that's your time. That's accrued over the three days and lowest time overall. It's pretty simple. Yeah. Now, these, are, these are race cars, yeah. or are they street legal cars? It is street legal, quote <laughs> unquote. Texas doesn't like my car, so my car is tagging South Dakota. Um, it has to be legal in a state to be able to be imported across the border as a street legal vehicle. Yes, and we do run insurance that you get through blah blah pound. So you're insured if you hit somebody on the street. And you need it. Yeah, it's, it's needed. <laughs> we have had it happen. I've had two, two competitors that traveled with us and support their cars both did. Um, it does happen. So it has to be street legal, does it have to be registered? Yes, yep. Registered, tagged, insured, um, the full enchilada. Yeah, going back and forth across the border can be problematic if the car's not in your name. Yeah, so, you, and that's another, Intricacies, and we can talk about that offline. Well, yeah. lost in the details. There are some systems you have to go through to get a car in Mexico. It's not hard. Once you understand it, it's very, very simple. Uh, one to touch on the money side of it. Log Carrera being the most expensive race that I've ever entered. Um, entering early, early being 11 months before the event, it is $10,000. As the event gets closer, it goes up basically $1,000 a month. Easy way to look at it. So we're entering for 2020. We're going to we spend a bunch of money to get there. Um, compare that to like Chihuahua Express, $3,000, $1,000 a day. Uh, when you're doing 12 hours in the car, that's well worth the money. Mm -hmm. Touch on rules. This is good because two years ago I presented here about rules and I was comparing a lot of things. There are six classes of cars. There are four pages of rules. 
and three of those are taking equipment. Nice. Show up and race. Forget all the rules of whining and bitching about trophies and let's go play. Yeah. Laws, um, they're a little different there. And you are supposed to obey the laws. Now, as I was saying, you're treated like a rock star. I've never been escorted by police in the U.S. through a city so fast in my life. Uh, they will sit on the outside of the city when they know you're transiting through. They'll pull in front of you and wave out the window, fly through the town at blinding speed. Through red lights, through stop signs, word you're going to die, but you got to follow them, right? <laughs> Jump in and go. Uh, the laws that you probably break while you're there should not be discussed, uh, but it does happen, and it's Mexico. So the race is put on by the federalities. We, all of our entry fees basically get donated to the retirement fund. So that's how they close off the roads. That's how you get all the security getting you in and out is because it's yep. funding their retirement. People, schools are out. Uh, most cities, as you would know about Mexico is siesta time. Basically, they will move their siesta time for the town to be closed while we come through going in and out. So everybody's in the streets watching as you come through, just like we've seen WRC. So the culture is very, very strong. They love race cars, they love all the Americans. Um, history, again, going back to 48, it's uh, astounding. Who is supported? I don't even want to put that on there. It's your slide, dude. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I know who I've supported, but who's supported? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, I need notes. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, sorry. Thank you, Justin. You were, supposed to, you were supposed to key us in, right? Yeah, there you go. He's a space bar, is what he said. Yeah. So, tag us next. All right, that's me. So, I drive the 24 Hours of Lemons. A little backstory. I'm, I am an autocrosser. Um, my region does host a road race every year, and I go to that road race every year. And I think the first time I went, I was like, this is what I want to do with my life. I need to be on a racetrack. I don't know how to get to a racetrack, like in a car to do this. And one of the very first races that I went to, um, there was another guy with us and he said, well, I got a limits car out behind the shed. It's been there for about five, six years. We'll roll it out and you can go limits racing. And I was like, sold. I need a team. So we put a team together. We built a car. Um, my first car was, Probably, probably not going to be very much appreciated here, um, but we put the GCR on the car, um, kind of as a, a tribute to the rule book. We weren't bashing um, the S we were not bashing SCCA now. No, we were recognizing. Recognizing. We were recognizing and 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 talking about it. There you um, go. But I think. The pros and cons for me personally were I didn't have like the ability to get on a track in a road race car to do all of these things and I had a team. I was lucky enough to have somebody also give me a car that was already built for Lemons. Um, but we're also not very serious people so we put a team together, put a theme together and we went and had a great time. Um, I think probably uh, most of the, the cons for that would probably be a lot of people don't want to drive on a team. So that's kind of, you know, the thing with lemons is you have to have at least, you know, four, I think it's four people. But I've done both the, the two-day split where it's eight and eight, and I've done the full 24. Um, I've 
our team has completely destroyed and rebuilt a car, two cars, while we were there, <laughs> and finished the race both times. Um, they do have a, several professional drivers, I guess. Um, I don't know if Jay Leno would probably not be a professional driver, but <laughs> He's not even a he does either. show up. He will be a member soon. He, he, uh, he does show up sometimes. I think one of the other teams that went with us to the last race <coughs> had some beef with Greg Biffle. There was contact. <laughs> there was an apology letter written on a typewriter. Um, somebody's car got signed. I don't know. It was a big fat mess. Um, but they do take safety very seriously, very seriously. I think the first time we went to tech with the Datsun, um, we failed it. We had to take it back to paddock, make some corrections and come back. Um, and I think, well, I, don't, I can't even count the black flags that we got in our first race. Um, there was a lot, of, a lot of things that happened, a lot of things that we don't wanna talk about. Um, but every time you have some sort of situation like that, you do come in and you talk to the judges and they ask you if you know what you did and why you're acting ridiculous. And you work that all out and then they'll let you get back out there. Um, so that's pretty much my backstory. Yes. Uh, the judges can be bribed. I've Yes. Yes. The bri the, but the they judges. won't. You can't really bribe them. You can bribe them on performance, but you can't bribe them on safety. safety. No. No. So one of the things that we like to do. We, we, at one event, uh, I was asked to come off the track, park the car, and I was supposed to have a 20-minute penalty. Yeah. And the judge said that it was a 95-degree day, and the judge said, "Boy, it's hot. We'd love some ice cream." So I ran over, I bought some ice cream, brought it to judges, they said, okay, we get back in the car. Yeah. So I, I'm just saying. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> to, to quote Jay Lamb, That's the this is a circus. Yeah. You're one of the clowns. <laughs> if you can't comprehend that, yeah. you're in trouble. Exactly. I, I, for those who don't know, I run MSR Houston. I was a past owner. And uh, they come to us, and we, uh, my shop stayed open to 2 a.m., welding cage reinforcement in competitors' cars that could not pass their, their very stringent safety stuff. Their cage rules. I'm, five, I'm 15 minutes from MSR. <coughs> An overflow of their cage work that his shop can't get to comes to mind. We've entirely cut out cages overnight and built a cage overnight to get a car back on track the next morning. The cage rules, the safety side of what women's executes in all of my years of experience with them, as with WRL, is above what you would standardly see in an SCCA inspection. And the reason for that is, is the crap factor. Yep. There are crappy drivers, <laughs> there's crappy cars, <laughs> and there's crappy situations. And they want to protect themselves, risk management, as best they can. Yes. And they're, they're, there is no nonsense about them. Contrary to popular belief, everybody thinks, oh, you know, they're, they're, they're really loosey-goosey. They're loosey-goosey on everything except the cage and the safety equipment. Yeah, it's astounding. One of our teammates um, on the very first women's event that we did ended up passing someone under caution, not really realizing it, and he was immediately parked and pulled out of the car. Like, you cannot drive for this amount of time. 
so it's it's very serious. And similar to pro, they do you have to have you have to do a fire simulation exit of the car. Mm -hmm. Pick your smallest person. They'll at least let you pick the, <laughs> you're, you're on the team. Not limits. They'll choose the largest. Yeah. They they you, they can and will. Why you not send your entire team? Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have to be you have to be responsible in your decision making. So a couple other points that I did want to make was the the rule book. Um, I think they have like a general rule book on just their website, and it's about one page printed. I think they do have like a safety sheet that kind of goes with that. That's about twenty pages, I think, printed. As compared to the UCR, which is 688 slash check. Um, but there are also only three classes. You go to judging, you get A, B, or C, and you're on your way. So you can build whatever car you want. doesn't matter what it is. They'll put you in A, B, or C, and you just go. And licensing is one simple click of a mouse for $75. You're good for a year. So. I'd like to make one correction about the pages. 688 pages includes each of the individual car specifications. The rule part of the rule book that's the sporting regulations is about 200. It's we feel so much. Move. We're not bashing. We're not bashing the SEC. I'm, I'm not bashing the SEC. I'm coming to their defense. When we kept saying it's a 688 page rule book, yes, more than half of that is, yes. is the specific car bomb. Yeah. Which you've got to go through to get to. Right. So, and when I. Yeah. We don't want to. Look, we don't want to go down that road. No. It's, the, it's, it's all. But it's not that much. Yeah. So, World Racing League. I want to turn it over to Joey. We got time. We want to try and hit all this as best we can. You got stuff? I got a few things. Okay. <laughs> I did not provide a slide, that's totally my fault and I apologize. Um, that is this year's schedule. Just so that you know, I am the founder of World Racing League. I am no longer the owner. Uh, it changed hands just within the last month or two. So one of the contractors that ran Events Force in the Southeast was interested in buying it and I was always told you'd never make money doing this. So when I had an opportunity to make money doing it, I jumped on it. So, I don't know who gave him that advice. <laughs> So just by way of introduction, because I know a lot of you probably don't know who I am, I started out in SCCA autocrossing, uh, jumped into road racing. James was actually my instructor when I got my competition license at a super school. Uh, not terribly long after that, I uh, started with the Chunk Car World Series when it first started as a regional director. So I did that for three years, got to know that program inside and out, which was really just a kind of a carbon copy initially of the Lemons series. Excuse me. Uh, with a few differences, uh, we were successful. The regional directors were successful in kind of separating the the image and the operations from the way Lemons did things. So we got away from the costumes. We got away from having to have your car decorated. Um, uh, three years after that, I started World Racing League because um, we felt like there was a need or a niche somewhere between what everybody was calling the crap can or budget series and pro endurance racing, club level racing. Um, there's just a group of people that didn't want to do lemons, they didn't want to do chump car, uh, but they did want to go endurance racing. And they wanted a, a maybe a more solid rule book. Um, lemons is very subjective as far as how the, the guys, uh, and I know those guys really well, 
but they're really subjective how they class cars. So we came up with a way to do it uh, based on power to weight ratio. So all of our classes in World Racing League were based on power to weight ratio. Didn't, I, didn't, I don't care you know, what model you make, model year, whatever it is, doesn't matter. Whatever your power to weight ratio is, that's the class you go into. Um, let me move along, guys. We don't want to keep you here too long. Um, we've kind of already covered a little bit of this. 24 hours of limits. The players in, in amateur endurance racing, Chump Car, which is now Champ Car, um, American Endurance Racing, which is a bracket racing organization that's primarily up in the Northeast. Uh, there's one called Lucky Dog Racing, which is another offshoot of Chump Car that operates on the West Coast. Uh, World Racing League, and, uh, oh, I'm sorry, that covers it. So we already talked about uh, a little bit about the rules. We have a 19-page uh, rule book now, I think. 12 pages covers all of the competition stuff. So whether you want to look at your safety gear or how to get through tech or how your car has to be prepared safety-wise or how we class cars, it's all contained in 12 pages. Classing is two pages. Uh, and the way we class, again, is power-to-weight ratio. You bring us a dyno sheet, we weigh your car at the track, we do the math, and that gives us your power-to-weight ratio, and that's where you go. Now, that said, there's other modifications you can make to the car, obviously, that are performance-enhancing other than horsepower, other than weight. Uh, and we have a modifier schedule for that. It's in the rules. What, any modifications you make to suspension or other chassis mods, uh, we have a deduction for that from your power-to-weight ratio. So initially it was based on stated horsepower for the factory. We've since gone to dyno to make it more accurate. Uh, and the races have gotten a lot closer. The competition's a lot tighter uh, since we did that. Um, driver requirements. Lemons, chump car or champ car now, anybody can show up and drive, which is a great way to get people into racing. Um, I think I spent for the super school all in with a car and it was a Fiat 124. It wasn't anything special <laughs> that I bought used out of California, but all in it was about 10,000 for me to get started. Uh, that was just to get my license. First, when I showed up at the first race, I'd already spent $10,000. Lemons, Champ Car, a whole team is spending five, six, seven thousand $7,000, including buying all their safety gear to get into their first race, and that's split four ways. Um, and that's the same way with WRL. Although we don't allow novice drivers in World Racing League, you have to have a competition license or you have to have some form of track experience that we will recognize. And that can be enough hours in, in Champ Car or Lemons, that can also be HPDE. Uh, and the reason we allow HPDE is once you get to the solo rating in most of those groups, uh, you've had somebody in the right seat with you coaching you for usually two weekends at least, depending on how well, you know, how fast you pick up information. Um, so once you get to the solo status, you are already aware of traffic around you, you are looking at flags, you're looking ahead at stations, you know what you should be doing on track. So we get a lot of guys coming up out of PCA's uh, HPD program that run with World Racing League now because they, for whatever reason, opt to come race with us instead of PCA. Um, and I'm not going to say anything about that because I have a lot of friends in PCA, but I think primarily it's because they recognize the value of, you know, we split the cost four ways. We can go out and have a whole weekend's worth of fun with four hours each of track. Uh, entry fees, they're averaging about $1,800 now. Um, is that? That's oh, American that's, that's Endurance, but it's I pretty close to the same It's thing. pretty close to the same. The guys who just bought the series actually kind of patterned it after what AER is doing, where you get a Friday practice and two races over the weekend for the $1,800. So $600 a day. And you're going to walk away with, if you have a team of four, you're going to walk away with over four hours of track time for the weekend. A lot of racing. Um, 
registration, everything that we do is based on getting people in and out really quickly. We don't have to have a lot of contact with them as far as administrative stuff goes. We do pre-registration online. They come and they check in. A team captain checks in. We give them their credentials for the team, and they're done. Uh, gear check, if you need to have your gear check this year, you go through the gear check line. Otherwise, you don't need to do it again until we either call you and let you know that you need to, or we do an all call. Basically, we'll send out an email beforehand and say, look, we want everybody to come through gear check. Sometimes we do blanket sweeps like that. Sometimes we don't. The way we track everything is we have an app that we built uh, four or five years ago that actually has every driver's record in there in terms of their name, their medical information, uh, when was the last time they went through gear check, um, where they got their license, and their on-track behavior. We track on-track behavior in that app. Everybody's helmet's got a barcode on it, a QR code. If they come in on a penalty, we can scan that or pull the number off, and we enter the information, what their infraction was uh, on that in that database. So we can go back and pull up a driver and see exactly what he's been black flagged for over the course of a season, over the course of five years, we can see if somebody's a problem child or if that's a one-off that, you know, maybe they had a, a lapse of judgment for an event. Um, you have to have a wristband to drive. I mean, this is all standard stuff that we're all used to. You show a wristband when you're on your way out. We did that in HPDE as well. Um, that's, that's basically the only credential you have to have once you come through the registration process. Um, tech inspection. Tech inspection is very similar to what you're used to in SCCA. We have, some, we have uh, scrutineers that will go through the car. We do it the first time you come into the series. We want to get to know your car and talk to you a little bit about you know, how the car was built, what's the story behind the car, um, did it come from Lemons or Chump Car, did it come out of SCCA or PCA. Uh, and we get people coming in from every series. We get cars that have been racing in SCCA, they're old IT cars. Uh, we get Caymans and Boxsters coming out of PCA. So. Uh, Shoot, we've had MP01s that Elon, the, the one NASA was trying to, to build a, a class around. So we get a lot of different cars. So we want to get to know the car. We go through, look at the safety, um, and then we go through the classing process with the team. We take a look at their dyno sheet. We weigh the car, um, sign off on it. It gets a barcode on it, and all that information, again, for their logbook is in that database. So you've got everything on the car. If it was in an accident, um, if there's a fixed by next race issue with the car, anything like that is in that database. When its last safety was, when its belts expire. Um, there's two or three reasons for that. It's great administratively for us. Um, it also allows us to go to somebody like uh, you know, any of the uh, retailers, safety retailers, and say, look, I've got a database of people, uh, and we know when all of their safety belts and all of their helmets expire. Um, so we have a way for you guys as a sponsor to come through and contact all of our races. We don't sell our mailing list, but we can put you in touch with these people through our mailings, um, you know, every time we have somebody that needs gear. So uh, that turned out to be a very valuable tool that we have. Uh, race operations. So this is where it gets a little bit different from what you guys are used to if you've been operating races. We have one start and one finish every day. That's it. We grid one time. We throw the checkered flag one time each day. It's a lot simpler, and I've done both. And uh, it's a lot less hectic. We get everybody lined up in the morning, they're off. Once we get them through the first turn and nobody's done anything stupid, it's generally smooth sailing. We get the typical, you know, over the course of eight hours, we're gonna get the typical car-to-car -car contact, you know, wheels, you know, side-by-side, -side, front to rear, whatever. Uh, people miss yellow flags and that kind of stuff. We have a black flag station on pit road. You get black flag. You come down, you talk to the black flag steward. If it's something that we need to record in your logbook, we do. If it's not, we talk to you and we put you back out on track. What's your average attendance? 
many people are going to be on the course? Um, it, it varies depending on you know the race, obviously. I mean, you guys see the same thing. Different regions have different turnouts, but we get anywhere from a low is maybe 25 cars in at Brainerd, for example. Um, Circuit of the Americas, we sell out. We only put 84 cars on track, I think, at Circuit of the Americas. We do have a similar rule to SCCA as 25 cars per track mile. So uh, average, it's going to be around 40, 45 cars. So um, it's, not, it's not like Lemons and Champ where we're trying to put as many cars on track as possible. Um, we, we opted to market totally and just get away from that completely just because of the safety aspect of it. And two, they're going to, they're going to hit that, that attendance level a lot easier because they don't have any driver requirements. Anybody can show up and race. You know, we want people who understand what they're supposed to be doing on track because we are a no-contact series. Um, our corners and pit marshals are typically contracted. So we, when we go to a track, for instance, we go to Circuit of the Americas, we tell them, we need, you know, all these corner staff, we need four different, we need four people on pit road here, here, and here, or six or eight or ten or whatever we need at that, at that point. Um, and uh, everybody else, we, have, we typically, for a small race, have a crew of four stewards. We have someone in timing the whole time. We have a race control. Um, and then we have some in black flag and generally we have somebody just kind of roaming around shaking fuel jugs and you know things like that along pit road. Uh, one of the advantages by the way that a lot of people, things a lot of people like about this type of racing is we're on pit road all day together. So when I was with SCCA we ran our heat, we ran our race, we ran our practice, we went back to the paddock, maybe we hung around with some friends um, and you know said hi to people as we went through the paddock but that was it and then uh, we worked on the car or whatever. Endurance racing, everybody's generally out on pit road for most of the race. So you're sharing food and tools and parts with your neighbors sitting right next to you or four or five awnings down. Um, you know, everybody's talking, the stewards are walking up and down talking to everybody as we go through the event. So it's very social. Um, uh, and a lot of people like that aspect of it. Um, yes, sir. Oh, yes. you have mandatory pit stops, uh, mandatory driver changes. I was going to get to that. Oh, I'm sorry. No, you're I, fine. You hadn't said anything, so I was just curious. No, you're fine. Um, rules compliance and enforcement. So we wanted to start with a no contact. <coughs> and I started that when I was at Chump Car because it was kind of a wild west when I got started. And there was a lot of contact, and understandably so, because you've got a lot of novice drivers and people who've never been on track before. Which, in the beginning, I think was okay because the cars really were crack pants. They weren't very fast. They might top out at 80 or 90, you know, most cases, and then they started, you know, Miatas came in, and BMWs came in, and, and, you know, you just had speed creep in the series, and I think that the novice thing became a little riskier and a little, you know, something you need to be a little more wary of, wary of. but in the beginning, you know, it wasn't, uh, I, I guess the risk was mitigated a little bit just by function of the, uh, the performance of the cars, but we didn't want to have that, and we started working on that. I started penalizing people just as, a, as the regional director in the chump car for contact, and then we kind of took that to the next level of WRL. So we have a basically a 12-12 rule where you know, your first contact, if you have contact that moves a car off the track or causes them to have to come in for repairs or takes them out of the race, that's an automatic probation. No questions asked, okay? If it's been deemed your fault, if you're at fault, you are on probation. If you have another one within 12 years, you're banned basically for 12, suspended for 12 years. Or, I'm sorry, 12, 12 months. months. <laughs> That's very strict. Yeah, yeah. Some of us wouldn't live long enough to get bad. <laughs> we, did, we, did we did have a couple of lifetime bans for safety. Where there are two people who are banned for life from the series for safety. One was 
an event in the southeast where a guy lit him up in the paddock because he was ticked off because they got disqualified. All right, they jumped in the car. Of course, you know, after a race like that, there's people everywhere walking around. Yeah. We've got kids and girlfriends and boyfriends and wives and husbands and everybody wandering around. And they got this Mustang, V8 is a boss Mustang, and floored it and burned out. I think it was a road in Atlanta. And that's, you're gone. Don't ever come back. Okay, we, that, there's just no, no need for that and no room for that. I think everybody in here agrees. The other one was a, a kid who was on probation and then rolled his car going into turn one Coda and took another car out with him, and he, he won't come back. So we take that seriously. A, it's safety. Nobody wants to be out there with somebody who drives like an idiot and is bouncing off everybody. B, it's cost of racing, right? If somebody's smashing your car, you're gonna spend a lot of time and a lot of money putting it back together. And some of these cars, you know, in, in our series anyway, are you know, upwards of sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000. We've got BMW 235 <coughs> factory built race cars out there. So, you know, these guys don't want anybody smashing into their hardware and, you know, I don't blame them. So we take that seriously. Uh, things like spins, four offs, things like that. We may black flag you, not always, but really what our philosophy is on that is if it looks, if it's later in the race, or if it looks like you've been two off here, two off there, then you go four off and you have a spin, maybe you're getting a little tired. And we don't have mandatory you know, driver changes. There's no stint limits. There's no drive. I mean, you can come out with two drivers and run an endurance race with us. So we're going to bring you in and check you for fatigue and make sure that you're not tired. Um, so the big thing and the big question everybody always brings up with all of those series is the, the cheat factor. Okay, lemons, you can bribe your way through tech. Uh, you bribe your way through flags, too. Yeah, that's true, true. Uh, chump car, I don't know how they do classing anymore. I don't know how they do things, but I know that in that series, from what I'm being told by other racers that come and race with us, is that there's maybe three or four chassis that you need to have if you want to be competitive. Otherwise, you're just there for the fun. Um, but there's a lot of tinkering, a lot of things that go on you know, behind the scenes. Um, we have several layers of checking on uh, or, or doing uh, rules enforcement. First is tech inspections. You come through tech, we get to know your car. Uh, we get to know you a little bit, look at the car. Second is lap times. If your car is in group a, uh, uh, GP1 and you're running GTO lap times, that's gonna be the first indicator that we need to take a look. It doesn't necessarily mean that there's any cheating going on, but at least it's an indicator that we need to have a look at the car. Uh, we will put black boxes in the car, which uh, right now I think they're using name solos, so we'll get telemetry off the cars through our black boxes that we'll pull. Uh, there has been one at the track dyno in the last year since we started dyno uh, testing. So we'll roll the podium cars up on the dyno and, and do dyno runs at the end of the race and verify their dyno sheets and their logbook. And then an impound protest. So They dyno the cars at my place. Yeah, that's true. We did it in MSR. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, and then penalties range in anywhere from uh, just your time at Black Flag Station up to uh, disqualification or being, being banned from the event. So that's, I think that's all I really have on that stuff. If you guys have any questions, I would also just to let you know. We may want to go ahead if you got something quick. I just want to say I've run with WRL and I've run with Jancar. It's a blast. We go to, it looks like we're going down the line here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the intent of this program was for me to learn and share the best practices to improve SCCA's road racing product. 
am I supposed to take away from this? Your, your takeaway from this is what we're trying to tell you is what we're doing in different series, in different groups, and the things that make them work. And what we're talking about on each one of them is the registration, the tech, the, the actual operating of the, of the groups. They do everything a little bit different in each of those segments a little bit different. And when, we, when I first started, I asked how many people had gone to these events. You need to go to those events to find out what's happening and why people are going. If you haven't been it, to women specifically or WRL, you need to go. You, you need to go. We, we have a guy, we had a, a driver in F4 that we talked to his dad about putting him in, the, in a champ car, in the champ car series in a Miata because he was fast, but he didn't know racecraft. He came back the next year, and he's a podium kid. Oh, okay, but I, I was hoping to, to really hear some things that were useful, and I, I, what I'm hearing here is go race someplace other than SCCA. Without, without directing specifically on what those issues are, which turns into matching SCCA, it's pretty hard to give you those. We can meet the bar tonight, and we'll be glad to go over some of the smaller details. Yeah. There are some things, though, that you may can incorporate in how you set your events up and the types of things you do. I'm speaking, I know, I know at least a couple of regions do things with bracket racing to an event to a certain extent, and we're talking about trying to, to see if that looks like for us, because people need ways to go racing with the cars that they already have instead of having to spend a whole lot of money to make a GCR class car. And so these are options that you could maybe even start doing at a regional level and incorporate some of the bits and pieces like they're saying, this little bit works, this little bit works, this little bit works, let's it, do these. What, I'll put this up here on cost per minute. I'll get to you real quick because we're, we're running close on time. But the cost per minute is just based off of what you can do for how long the car's on track. It's relative, folks. Like we talked about, you 15 minutes on, 15 minutes off, there's eight hours in the day. How you split it up, is how you help the drivers. I can tell you from running as an SCCA guy, for a long time SCCA guy, when I go out to qualify, three laps, maybe four. Mm -hmm. I don't need 30 minutes. Somebody else may need 30 minutes, but I don't need that. And most of the guys at my level, they run three to four laps, period. And we're off track. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I would just ask more of you. You have a lot of SCCA experience. What one thing would you change that would still work within our structure, which of course we do everything by freaking committee? <laughs> that what would be the Is there blood running out of my mouth? Right. <laughs> what would be the one thing that you could change within our framework that would make our racing better for the drivers? You want to ask an opinion for. We'll talk. Yeah. To, I'll talk to you later. Okay. okay. I'd be happy to. If any of you want to talk to me about any of this stuff, yeah. because in addition to everything else, I've all, I was a manager at Texas World Speedway for five years up to the point of close. So I've seen everybody in the Southwest and how they do things. And when I was there, I mean, when I was working there, I was at the events on the weekends. Um, I would help, you know, SCCA when they came out, even though I wasn't racing, just, you know, whatever I could do. But I've seen the way everybody does things. And I ran the HPE program at Texas World as well, which was one event per month. 
with 135 cars at the event every month. So Nobody's kicked us if anybody's out interested yet. in looking at Nobody's ACDEI, you know, I can give you some pointers there as well. It's a great way to get people yep. to track. Let's, let's get the questions real quick because we're 317. I think we got it supposed to be out of here at 15. No, 330. Oh, crap. I got plenty of time. Never mind. I was panicking here. Okay. That's why I have a crew chief. Fall back there real quick, and then I'll come to you. My takeaway is we don't have enough fun. Yeah. There you go. I don't want to. Say, I can't. I can't say that. Someone's watching me back there. But but realistically, I know. But realistically, when James and I first started with the SCCA, your whole family went to the workstation with you. Yeah. You cooked out there. You had a parachute for a tent. Yeah. You know, because they didn't have awnings. You had a if you were lucky, you went to the army surplus and you or air force or whatever it was and bought a parachute and had some way of holding it up. And like at Galveston, where we were, you always had plenty of wind. <laughs> the uh, I still remember that whenever I first worked the station, and I think it was like 1963. Yeah, the, they had a, a a protocol sheet that they gave me, and it was how to pee in public. <laughs> Honest to God, because it was a public event at an airport. There was no such thing as a porta potty, and I'm like, really? <laughs> Where dark pants? So let me get him. He's had his hand up forever. I got y'all. I, I, I was going to say that I, a general theme I see is is um, more time in the car. Right? These even through Mexico, they're all kind of endurance series. That's a common theme, mm -hmm. um, and then that helps you get the cost per minute of track time. Yeah, not really. No, you only have eight hours. But we also if you split like it up into if you split it up into five segments, well, it's still the same time. Well, your math, your math there, like if, is cost per minute a dollar eighty-eight for a WRL versus a super tour is six dollars per minute. <laughs> Yeah, but, the thing with but how much time you the the super tour time? That's that that's 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 relegated right out of the GCR. You had 115 minutes on track. Mm -hmm. The piece for lemons. I don't think you'd ever really know because we well, we had. That, that was my takeaway. Is that they, yeah. they're all endurance yeah. series versus right. Right. Well, you know, they, they sort of are. Maximizing the well, and for lemons, so. yeah, yeah, lemons you have up to six tracks. Except so for like S SBRA and HSR. They run you 15-minute sessions, right. and you're in and out of the car all the time. And I'm telling you, you, it's the same 115 minutes, but you feel like you've been run through the ringer when the weekend's over because you're in and out of the car. That takes a lot of effort. And the older you get and the fatter you get, the even more effort it takes. James, Wait, I got a question. I'd like to say something. Sure. specific change that you would like to see 
Well, uh, well, it's not I'm like I've left. Yeah. But, <laughs> but in many cases, yeah. I don't run. I don't run thirty events a year anymore right. because we don't have thirty. Yeah, um, for for me, running running SCCA races is, is kind of territorial because in Texas we've lost a lot of our opportunity to race, and if I'm going somewhere, I have to make a choice on if I'm going to drive 700 miles to uh, to go to Oklahoma, or if I'm going to drive 780 miles, 800 miles to go to Road Atlanta. And, and as opposed to in Texas, I've got a couple of places I can run. Coda, you know, if you notice everything I've put in there is about Coda accepted, an exceptional Coda because Coda costs so damn much money. I mean, we're going to go to Coda in three weeks or whatever it is. I'm running uh, three cars. It's going to cost me about $5,000 to go run Coda. By the time I got a garage, by the time I do an entry for myself, I'm only going to let, I'm going to, I'm not, I usually run two cars, two, two groups. I'm only going to run one car for myself, but my grandson, I'm going to put him in two. So you're, it starts adding up pretty quick. And, and it's no knock on Coda or the Jerry's here. It's, it's because Coda charges so damn much, you got to defray your costs. And the only person you can defray it to is the driver. The, the, the biggest thing that I run into from running in Europe and here and all these different events is how fast I can get through registration and tech. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to waste as much of my time as possible by having to do something that should be automatic. As I said a long time ago, and Marge Bates got so mad at me, as I can get on a plane in Southwest and never have any interface with a human. <laughs> if I can go online, get my ticket, get print out my boarding card, Show up, hand it to the attendant when I walk through my and I'm line and I'm number 38, which is automatically assigned to me, and get on the plane, and be done with it. I should, Jesus, I should be have to do some of that automated with the SCCA. So can you summarize the answer to her? That's it. I want my my deal is is I would like to to expedite. The registration and tech side of it. Figure out, figure out a way to simplify. That was the goal for us: was simplify the rules, simplify the registration process, simplify tech. Yep. You know, streamline everything. I mean, we had in our rules committee, we sat down and had knockdown, dragout debates over what we should penalize for and how we should handle it. Just because, does it really make a difference if you bring them in for that? What's the point? I mean, everything was geared around: is it effective? Does it make sense to do? Does it simplify the process for the racers? Does it make it easy for the racers? And, and we get people from everywhere. And you say, go to the competition. It's really not so much competition as it is an alternate way for people to go. I mean, the people that obviously, some people have a budget for one series, right? And they do three events. I prefer sprint racing personally. Um, I'm not a big fan of being in the car for two hours at a time, but that's just me. So I'll be back out at SECA now at a time. But, um, there's so many things that the Endurance Series offer that SECA doesn't, and vice versa. So there's there's a lot of trade-off there. But to get people to come back, or really what you want, honestly, is you want the young people who are coming up through Chump Car and Lemons mm. to transition over to SECA. It, it's not getting people back. It's we're all aging out. I'm 56. 
You know, I'm not going to be driving as long as the guy who's coming down 20, 26, 28 years old or 30 years old. How do you get the new blood in? I've actually never run with the SCCA as far as the club race goes. And I think I worked those races some, not as a flagger, but just as staff, I guess you would say. And it seemed to be lacking a lot of the fun side, which is what people were looking for, I guess, in my group. And we planned our first lemons race at a club race. Uh, my, my guys, I guess you guys are saying all this. What you're saying actually mirrored what I did 40 years ago when we started racing. I started racing with a very small local group, mm -hmm. something called Midwestern Council. And, you know, it was cheaper. You could have cars and walk by as you yeah. and all this yeah. stuff. What caused me to go to SCCA at the time? It was better competition, better safety. A lot of things caused me to change. And I guess that's what I'm looking at now. Well, and now. And now the SCCA started the time trials program, so I am racing in that. So, so that kind of brought you over. Yeah. So, no, he's had his hand up forever. Hugh off. You just have to wait. You had an earlier opportunity. Yeah. I, I can tell you as a track owner that if you certify your car to be compliant, I'm a lot happier about not losing my house as if I certify your car. Well, I, I guess what I'm asking... Does that make sense the, to you? The core of the meeting was the contrast between... Some of these... Are there any differences in liability or insurance? No. You'd be amazed. Same as that So uh, how, how many people think that the bottom line for putting somebody on track on it is the engine insurance people in here? Okay. So what do you I just want to make sure. So huh? They're next door. Yeah, it's good. So so I run a track, right? I buy insurance. Matter of fact, the SCCA asked me years ago to help them with their insurance whenever they had a problem before your time. So so what do you think the minimum age is? For putting somebody on track. 16. On state. 16. No, no, I'm talking about insurance-wise. Who care about states? Uh, there really is a point because once we went below 18 years old, it's everybody. If you fill out, fill, fill out your insurance properly and, and go in there as a concession business as opposed to like a racetrack, and if you do it as circle track, anything of those natures, <clears throat> guess what? Y'all won't believe it, but it's eight years old. That's, that's the earliest you can do wheel-to-wheel car racing. Yeah. Yep. 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 Eight years old. So all of our insurance, all my insurance is everything is eight years old. How many people think I'll let eight-year-olds on the track? Do it. <laughs> <laughs> but there are differences from a participant standpoint, right? With no. That, if I race with the SECA, I have a different insurance product behind me than if I race with No, no nope. not really. really. No, honestly, not really. The deal is, is that as realistically now, as a manager, would I let eight-year-olds on? Would SECA let eight-year-olds on? And the answer is no. No way in hell. We try to make an arbitrary decision on what is our minimum age. And I've been, I've been training kids since they were 12, 13 years old for the last 10, 15 years. 
Most of, the, most of the guys that come in right out of cart, foreign kids that come in, and I get a lot from Mexico, uh, 